We wish to acknowledge the traditional caretakers of the land we record this podcast on, the Yuggera people and their continued connection to the land and waterways of Yuggera country. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Hello and welcome to The Sports Social, bringing you sports charts for everyone. Hello, Georgie. Hello, Elizabeth. How are you? I'm great. How are you? How much F1 have you been watching? I have consumed nothing but F1 Drive to Survive over the weekend. Have you watched all of it now? I have. Okay. I have watched one. Oh, no, sorry. I have one episode to go. Okay. I've watched one. Fill me in. What, What are you getting out of this season? Technically last season, but... Sorry, this season of Drive to Survive. Netflix. Gunter is as good as ever. He's Excellent. still my favourite. Okay. I love the intensity. <laughs> and Hang on, in the different teams? Yeah. I love the intensity between the teams. One of my favourite episodes was when Sebastian Vettel announced oh, his retirement. Yes. And then it was like a free-for-all in terms of who was moving where mm. in, in terms of seats and teams. It was so fascinating. The chaos. The chaos was epic. Daniel Ricciardo, I just felt like... Got the bum steer last year. In the seat movements. Yeah. But also he's back at Red Bull where he should be, even though he's only a reserve driver. For now. I, I just feel like he's going to get an opportunity and he's going to grab it with both hands. Okay. That's my prediction for this year. I don't know. I don't. I, it's such a competitive team. I don't know how he fits in there. I lo- so the first episode I watched, I, love, I loved when someone said to Max, what's your strategy for, for today? And he was like, we drive fast and we win. Just deadpan. It's true though. It, which is true. It's also interesting to have Max on camera because this is the first season where he's actually speaking to Drive to Survive. Well, he did in the first season and then he was missing oh, for a couple yeah. of seasons. Because he got good. He got good and he probably didn't have to. And I reckon now Netflix has like made him. No, what happened? Netflix made Max look terrible in the first season like he was an asshole, and he hated it. He was like, I don't need this anymore. Ah. And so Max stopped doing it and he ref- didn't want to come back. But now that he's world champion, obviously Netflix have gone. We need him. We need you. You're a key. We're not going to make you look like an asshole. Well, they didn't. No, they didn't. They didn't. They left a lot of stuff out too. Yes. Especially the Verstappen and Perez drama. What was the Verstappen-Perez drama? You know when Verstappen wouldn't let Perez pass? <gasps> yes. To make him second in the championship and Perez end up coming third in the championship behind Leclerc. <sighs> they left that out of the series. Oh, how could they leave that out? Because they don't want to upset Max. Marketing. Oh, but that's amazing. He's getting the good edit now. Mm. Whereas I feel, so I watched the first episode and I feel like Toto might be having a darker character oh, yeah, arc he, he, this, he, this season. He totally is. Because already he's cranky. He's like, oh, this is so ridiculous. No, he's a cranky this. boy. And I dig it. I like Toto as a cranky boy. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I feel like Christian gets a really good edit a lot of the time. He always has. Yeah. Which is interesting because I feel like they could have made more of the Red Bull overspend thing, but they didn't really do that. Okay. Yeah. So there was actually, there was also an actual race that happened on the weekend. Yeah. Like in real life. (laughs) Excuse me. In real time, in real life. Yes. Actual real life racing for this year. So Max has come out and won that. I think it was in Bahrain. And Max, so Max has come out and won that race. Checo's got second. And Alonso. The Mercedes don't seem to have featured anywhere particularly high or certainly not right at the front. 
fifth. Um, fifth. Okay. So they're doing okay. But like it's it's not the, for them. It's not the glory days. And Oscar Piastri, who unseated Daniel Ricardo in all the seat movements that happened towards the end of last year, uh, took his place at McLaren. He did not finish the race. In not McLaren. an ideal F1 debut. Not not the greatest. It's not an easy thing to be an F1 driver though. So fingers crossed he starts racing up the grid. I'm sure he'll be fine. Yeah, be great. They just race fast and win points, right? Put the foot down to the floor. What did Max say? <laughs> just do that. Just drive fast and then you win. Yeah, exactly. Hi, my name's Candice. I'm from Melbourne. I like sport because it keeps you fit and healthy and in pretty good shape, which is really important, especially as you get a bit older. Uh, I also like to watch a lot of sport. We watch a lot of AFL down here. I'm a big Carlton fan and also like to watch a bit of netball. A couple of weeks ago, we ran a competition around sports registration and the lucky winner of that competition was Katrina H., who we got in contact with and we've helped pay for her kids' sports rego, which is fantastic. And then she actually told us that she is a woodchopper. Isn't that at like the shows like around like Australia? The, like the Ecker. Like the Ecker. That's the, the only place. Royal show. Yeah. yeah. So she's a woodchopper and this weekend competed in the Australian Championships for woodchop. I think it was called Timber Sports, which is such a cool name. So cool. Anyway, we thought we would get her on the show today to tell us a bit more about this cool sport. I love it. Katrina, thank you so much for joining us and congratulations on winning the bronze medal at this weekend's Timber Sports competition. Hello, ladies. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, look, I'm really excited. It's, um, it was a great event and um, I'm glad that it's over, but it was, it was a pretty great weekend. Can you tell us how you came to be a mum who's swinging an axe on a Saturday morning? I mean, we all feel that way, but how did you actually do that? So I actually started um, competitive wood chopping when I was about 16. My dad was actually running the rodeo at our local show out at Bell and and he saw a need for there to be something on the Saturday at our local show. So he started up the wood chopping out there when, um, yeah, I was about 15 or 16 and he decided to have a go because he thought it was a pretty cool sport and if Dad could do it, I could do it. So I started competitively chopping at about 16 years of age. So for people who don't know what wood chopping is or what timber sports is, can you kind of give us an idea around the different events? Are there different events or is it kind of just one thing that you have to do or, yeah, tell us because I, yeah. only, I only have this idea about seeing it at, you know, the Ecker in Brisbane or the Royal Easter Show in Sydney. That's all I have in my mind. Yeah, look, there's actually heaps of different events. So there is traditional wood chopping, which is what you do see at the Ecker and at the Sydney show and all the local shows in the country and things like that. Um, and that's got a few different disciplines that you'll see. And the best part about being part of a wood chopping community is that on a single day, you've got competitors that range from five years of age up to about 85, I think is about our oldest competitor at the moment. And we all compete in fairly similar events every, every weekend together. So um, we've got a few different disciplines um, in our competitive wood chopping and there's the standing block which is the vertical log, the underhand which is a horizontal log, there's tree climbing where the um, competitors climb up onto boards and cut the tree off the block off the top of the tree and then soaring events. So um, the, there's children that compete and they um, usually just cut the underhand which is the, vert- uh, the horizontal block on the ground and the women 
similarly um, also cut that event as well as the soaring, and then the men usually cut all of the other events. Uh, and there's usually women, children, and men competing in all um, all open events as well, which is pretty amazing. Katrina, I am fascinated as to how you came to realise that this was the sport for you. Like you could have played netball or volleyball <laughs> or, you know, social tennis, but this is something that you started and you've continued to do as an adult. What What is it about wood chopping that just gets you really excited and wants you to participate? So I actually married a wood chopper. So that's where, you know, my continued love for wood chopping has, um, has come from. So I met my husband, Jamie, when I was about 19. And, you know, through, through that similar passion of wood chopping, and he went on to become quite a successful competitor. He is still very successful. He competes in the men's built timber sports. He's a current world record holder at the Sydney show. And he, you know, is a current representative of the men's Australian team as well. So we met through wood chopping and, yeah, continued wood chopping through our, through our marriage. Um, I did have three children in the meantime. So I did sort of not compete as much over those probably seven years where I had my three children. So Annabelle's now 12 and Archie's 10 and Darcy's 8. So the kids all started competing. Um, Annabelle's gone on to be more more, more devoted to netball, um, but the boys are still competing, which is fantastic. I would be really interested to understand because, you know, it's a, it's a real sport. Like you see these people at the show and it is intense. You can see that it's physically intensive. What sort of strength or cardio things do you need to participate in timber sports? Yeah, look, it's quite a physically demanding sport. Um, you know, you do have to have that cardio strength. You do have to be physically strong. But you also need incredible timing and, and accuracy as well. So, you know, that it's a lot of years of training and, and practicing before you even step onto a competitive stage um, and then a lot of consistent training from then on as well. So are you just like of an afternoon out the back chopping wood? Is that how you train for it or are there other ways of training? <laughs> Pretty much, yep. <laughs> so we have a, um, a quite a large, I'm, I'm a very lucky woman. I have a large timber deck in our backyard that we just compete on or we'll chop on to train. Um, it's now very, very um, luxurious and we've got a roof over it with some lights so we can train at night. Amazing. And, yeah, so I, I do. We do come home and train of an afternoon. I do I work full-time as a nurse as well. So um, between kids' sports and work and competing, yeah, we train of an afternoon. But I also do go to the gym of the morning as well. I'd love to understand for you, how does this sport progress for you? So... You are competing in Australia. Is there an international competition for the women who are timber sports participants? Yeah, so they've just started last year. They held the first international women's competition, which is absolutely incredible. And it goes to show the calibre and the standard of women that are now international um, across the world. It's, It's incredible to see. So when I first started competing in Queensland when I was about 16, you know, I was the only woman most of the time in the ring. Uh, there was other female competitors in the soaring, but I was, I think, nearly one of the first women to actually chop in the ring. So to see how the sport's progressed in the last 16 years has been incredible. And, you know, there is a great future for women in our sport. So the the winner of this year's event, Jodie Butel, she'll be going over to um, 
I think it's Rockburg somewhere over in the Netherlands, I think, this year to compete against the other women who win their um, respective national titles. This is a sport that, I mean, we hadn't really thought about it as something that people could join in. I don't actually know how I thought people became timber sports participants, but if someone listening is thinking, hey, I would really love to give that a go, where can they find out more about your sport? Yeah, so there is a state association in each state, I believe, but for Queensland, you would contact the Queensland Axman's Association and they will give you advice and support on how to start competing. A lot of the time, your best bet is to go and, you know, approach some of the um, woodchoppers in the ring and express your interest. And the best best way to go about it is to then, you know, get involved with your local shows and, and learn more about the sport and get to know the competitors and get involved that way. Because, you know, it does take a lot of years and, you know, it, it takes a bit of practice. And if you haven't got all of the gear set up, you know, it can take a little bit to be able to do that. So having um, some contacts and some people in the sport can be a great start. But um, I do know that in New South Wales, there's a few of the competitors in the ACT have started a, a, like supporting women and, and people new to woodchopping um, through grants and different schemes and things like that to help progress the sport. So it's looking like it has a healthy future and, yeah, it's going to be great in the future. Katrina, I think it's just so, like it's one of the best perks of this job is to be able to talk to people from different walks of life from different backgrounds and different sports to encourage movement and sport in all different ways. So thank you so much for sharing Timber Sports with us and all the best for, you know, the next couple of years. I can't wait to see you progress in your career and and obviously hopefully more women coming to Timber Sports as well. That would be fantastic. Thank you so much and I really value the, um, the chance to come and have a chat with you guys today. So thank you. My name is Henry, I'm nine years old and I like sport because it's fun. We have a new ambassador for the FIFA Women's World Cup. Oh, I can't wait to hear who it is. The Soccer World Cup. Um, Tell me, Georgie. It's a lady called Adriana Lima and she is a Victoria's Secret model. I was thinking like Sam Kerr or I don't know, any of the other exceptional female players we have from all around the world in the sport of football slash soccer. How do you feel? I just have we not got to a place yet where an ambassador for a sport can be a participant and not a model. I have nothing against models. They're doing their job. I don't have anything against Adriana, but she does not play football she or soccer. She doesn't play soccer? No. So Does she like soccer? Oh, she's a fan. Is she? Yeah, apparently. Okay. I mean, does that mean she's been to any matches? I'm not sure. But FIFA said it's great, it's great to have an ambassador who's so passionate about the sport that has no attachment to the sport. I feel like that's wrong. It's wrong. It's been received so poorly by the community associated with the FIFA Women's World Cup. What does it remind you of, Libby? (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, it was funny because I shared this on my socials over the weekend and I had Alicia Coots, a former teammate of mine. She said, as good as the time when they named a female racehorse female athlete of the year. Oh, my goodness. I just find that incredible. You're like, oh, a horse. 
A horse it's, is named Athlete of the Year. I mean, cool. and that's, that horse probably ran really well. I think it was Maccabi Diva. Not taking anything away from that fantastic horse. It was a great horse, but maybe it wins the horse round. I think they, the, the horse of the year. Horse, horse of the year. If Perfect. Su- if such a thing exists and if it doesn't, create that category. But Correct. But maybe we shouldn't take away from female athletes who would really appreciate the opportunity to the, promote their sport. The recognition. This is just another thing to do with FIFA that just rings alarm bells. They've already suggested that the Saudi Arabian Tourism Commission is going to be one of the major sponsors. Which is just unbelievable as well. Of the female women's, the FIFA Women's World Cup. Off the back of the controversy of the Men's World Cup. Oh, they just, I feel like they just really lean into controversy. They, there must be. I think they lean into money. There must be so many people within that organisation going, no, it's not a good idea. Like this, the way this is going to play out, it's not a great idea. And they're like, no. It'll be fine. Be fine. Look at all those dollar signs. And look at the train wrecks that <laughs> are just lighting up behind us. Not a choice I would have made. My name is Natalie. I am 28 years old and I am from Ashmore. I love sport because it gives you that little high <laughs> when you run really fast and I like the atmosphere. Get your fins up, get your fins up. <laughs> Is that what they say? Yeah. <laughs> it's the best. Put your fins no, up. No, I should sing. Okay. <laughs> you sing, Georgia. You're a much better singer. There's a new team in NRL town this week, Libby. The Dolphins are back in town. Put your fins up, put your fins up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we should have been in charge of marketing. We could absolutely sing this this little tune for the team. We're available. Let us know. Quickly, Queensland did epic in their sport over the weekend. Did we? We we won everything. Oh, naturally. Yeah. But it was pretty surprising considering we had a brand new team in the NRL. So there was a lot of talk that would Wayne Bennett be able to pull together this team where he hadn't been able to get some of the star recruits and so we were slightly underpowered and how that was going to play out for the season. And actually lots of people had gone. Probably, probably not going to work out this mm. year. This will be a building year, which must be such a demoralising comment if you're a player. But it's also true. Yeah, absolutely. Not I easy mean, to start a club. Just, you know, they've only won one match, but. but they beat the Sydney Roosters. Yeah. That's that, not a small win. No, that's a big win. So they played at Suncorp Stadium, which I don't think is their home ground, but they will be playing a few there. They'll also be playing at KO Stadium in Redcliffe, the, the heartland. The heartland. Of this team. It was a really good turnout. It was just a great game. And, well, they smashed them. And they came away with a significant win. So the Dolphins are off to a flying start and I believe the Broncos also beat. The reigning Premiers. Yeah, not, so, not a bad start. Yeah, they, they won by a, a, a point. Wow. Yeah. So it's what it says to me is that there's going to be a bit of healthy competition this year and we don't necessarily need to think that Penrith has a stranglehold on the premiership. And I feel like that's what Brisbane have actually needed for a really long time because we've had a great rivalry with North Queensland. But in Sydney, there's always other teams that you could potentially jump on board mm. with. Mm. Whereas in Queen in Brisbane. If you're not a Broncos fan, there's no one else. You don't you have anyone else to follow. Or if Broncos are doing not very well. <laughs> and you want to find someone else and to support. And you need to find another bandwagon. <laughs> you want to jump on another bandwagon. You've got to go south. You've got the you've got the dolphins now. It's great. Get your fins up. P H I N S. I just had to read it a couple of times. I'm like, Fins. Pins. Oh no, no, no. Fins. No. It's not a silent H. 
from Thrive PR and I love sport because it is a different kind of atmosphere. Anything's off the table, there's different kinds of passion going on and it's the sense of community for one common goal. Lib, something is going on in the world of coaching at the moment. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, maybe it's not a change. Maybe this is always happening. It's like an ongoing evolution. But here's what I'm thinking. Okay. So a couple of years ago, maybe 18 months ago, we had a whole thing going on with the Australian cricket team. This is the only cricket I'm talking about today, by the way. Are so just sure? bear with me. <laughs> so we had a whole thing with the Australian cricket team where Justin Langer, a former player, came in and started coaching the side and took them at a point where they were pretty demoralised because they'd had this, a sandpaper incident in South Africa. And so he came in to rebuild the culture, rebuild the team. And that seemed to be going pretty well until it wasn't. And reports started coming out that he was – quite hard to work with and hard how I think quite controlling of the team environment and that wasn't working well with the players and that feedback was given to him and he committed to changing and from all reports he did but that doesn't seem to have been enough for him to stay on as the Australian cricket coach and he was a coach now I can't remember Someone. He, the, the, the current coach came <laughs> probably. from. Probably. Probably someone. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. The current coach came from New South Wales cricket, I believe. Okay. And from all reports is like it's a great, it's a good culture. and it's They're not great. winning though, are they? Well, they're not winning in India, but then lots of Australian teams haven't won in India. It's actually quite common that Australian teams and actually lots of other international teams don't win in India because the pitches are so. Off topic. Let's go back to the coach thing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Minimal cricket today. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Look, you ask questions and I'm just answering I know. Them. I'm asking questions. Sorry, yeah. that's my fault. So that was like the coach thing number one where the players were really saying, hey, we don't like your style, mm. fix it. Then it's also come out that the Spanish soccer team, so the women's soccer team who just came out and played in Australia, before they came out, in fact, back in September, 15 of their best players said, we are not playing unless something changes with the coach. Oh, wow. And the association said, thank you for your feedback. Nothing is changing. So the Spanish team does now not reflect necessarily the top 15 players in that country. So they all just like resigned. They unionised and said, you need to change or we are not making ourselves available for national selection. And they said, well, nothing is changing. So that whole team essentially has turned over less than 12 months out from the Women's Soccer World Cup. So interesting. Meanwhile, in France, the incumbent head coach has been complained about for years mm. and the French women's soccer captain, again, this is in women's sport, has said that she's not playing unless something changes mm. there. She creates a toxic work environment. and So it's a female coach? That In that case, it's a female coach. So okay. This is not like a men-female dynamic issue necessarily. Mm. And it just... This is happening in lots of different sports, in lots of different countries all around the world. And it made me think, is something changing? And are we now saying your coaching style may be what it is, but if it doesn't work for us as the playing group or as an individual athlete, we will go elsewhere. I mean, that's such an interesting kind of question because I think coaching techniques do need to change and do need to evolve. And I don't know that they have kept up with the way that athletes work these days. I know that when I was training with my coach, Stefan, I always say that I think he preferred me when I was an age group athlete 
because I would just do what I was told. Ah. But then I hit about 20, 21, and I wanted to know why I was doing stuff. Like, tell me why this is what we're doing. Tell, I want to understand this process. Do right. I really need to swim five kilometres ten times a week? Yeah, I'm a sprinter. Do I actually need to do that much distance? How did how did you navigate yeah, that not, with Stefan? Yeah, not well. Right. <laughs> we would have massive blow-ups. Okay. Um, one of them culminated in me leaving training. I, but I wonder if that's something that, like, as athletes get older, they're actually wanting to be more involved with the conversation around what their actual training looks like and what performance looks like. And I don't know. I wonder if that's part of it. I guess you have more agency as you get older and you, particularly as you come up as well in terms of how successful you are, then you feel like you have more control around what your training looks like. Yeah. Like if I think about some of the most elite athletes in the world, I'm sure they have very strong opinions about their training and how they want their training to But is that necessarily the right thing for the athletes as well? Exactly. And in a team environment, how do you manage the needs? Of 15 athletes rather than just one. Yeah. In a team environment, you're not an individual necessarily. Your individual uh, performance matters but has to be seen in a broader context. But to be fair, like you you think of uh, teaching in a classroom, there are 20 kids, right? They're all going to learn in different ways. So you are going to have to individualise on some level and then I think that's what makes a coach great is if they're able to find the way an athlete listens and responds. Uh, You know, another example, like Stefan was not the right coach for my husband, Luke. He was exactly the wrong person because they were very similar in, in analytics. Whereas I'm like, tell me exactly what I need to do and I will go and do it. So that worked perfectly for me. Whereas Luke needed someone who was a bit more easygoing, which is Michael Boll, who's pretty, pretty epic swimming coach. But I think that's what makes coaches great is if they're able to find that individual strengths and lift them up. I think you're absolutely right. I then went and had a look at some of the things that are changing for coaches at the moment and I came across an article where some of the best coaches in the world from different sports in different leagues in different countries are getting pulled together on like a Zoom call uh, once a month and there'll be a whole lot, a series of groups where this is happening. And so you've got people like Eddie Jones and Ange Postacoglu sitting on a Zoom call talking about the issues they're experiencing as a coach and how how they're dealing with it. What would you suggest? How do we how do we move this forward? And I think that is fabulous. Oh yeah, to help elevate coaches and give them the support network that they need because it is a very isolating job. And sometimes you do have to make really hard calls and unpopular calls, and that's your job to yeah, do that. Hundred percent. And people aren't always going to like it. So managing that. And having peers that you can talk to would be so important. Oh, absolutely. I think that's such an incredible thing if they're able to do that, especially if it's outside of your own sport. Because I feel like within sports, although I think that knowledge sharing should happen, don't know if it happens as much as it it needs to, but to be able to have those ideas and bounce things off other, other coaches. And I hope that happens within women's coaching as well, like to be able to have a team to get together to talk about the challenges that they're facing and, you know, navigating different issues that they might be, you know, looking at. I think coaching's coming up as an issue in a whole lot of different places for us at the moment. So 
over the next couple of months, let's find an expert and ask them more. My name is Henry, I'm nine years old and I like sport because it's fun. Sport shorts. You have to uh, say it like that every time. Do you know, like, do you know yeah. what? I just, Sports shorts. Just wanna, I, just, I just think Bart Simpson, like, I wear short shorts. <laughs> That's Homer, but yeah. Oh, God, it is too. <laughs> I think Bart says eat my shorts. Yeah, he does. Bart says eat my shorts. I was going to say Simpsons involved lots of shorts. There was yeah. all these shorts. It's um, like I'm wearing nothing at all. Nothing at all. <laughs> Stupid sexy flanders. <laughs> For sports shorts today. Sports shorts. We are working on something Really exciting. We, we cannot wait to tell you more about this. It's a project that we are working on with Beck Sparrow, who's an authority on teens and tweens, and we are pulling together something to do with sports participation in that age group because it, it's a problem. There's a participation cliff that we experience here in Australia and we want to help teens and tweens and their families to navigate that. So we need your help. If you have any thoughts around this or family experiences and concerns about, you know, any stumbling blocks that maybe your daughter is experiencing in participating in sport, is she worried about getting her period, coach commenting on her weight, sledging that happens both from parents or other kids? All those issues, nothing is too big and small. Please let us know. And let us know if you've got great stories as well. If sports participation is working well in your area, in your club, in your school, we would love to hear about what that looks like because ultimately we want to find those little tips and tricks that are helping kids stay engaged in sport for as long as possible. We want access to sport for everyone and, yeah, that's what we're all about. So if you have any ideas, DM us at at the Sports Social Podcast. Uh, we can't wait to hear from you. What's your opinion, Jace? What's your sports shot? Is there only one sports shot today? Well, it was a big one. I could <coughs> we're giving you one. Free pass. I watched this documentary. you got to talk to the microphone. Uh, I know podcasting. <laughs> Hold on a second. What I is have this? this idea about a thing. What is this thing? <laughs> what are, is this all right? Am I on? <laughs> uh, I watched a documentary with my wife the other day called Maru. And it's about three guys that climb this mountain called Maru. They say it's Everest is very... A very popular one, right? And a lot of people, so mainstream. And a lot of people have done it. Have, have so been many successful people. At it. A so lot lame of people now. have not been successful. But Maru, no one has ever made it to the top. It right. Is, yeah, it's a really challenging mountain. And the thing about it is, is because you need to be able to climb different types of things. So some snow, some really solid granite rock, flat faces, sort of thing. So you need to have a bunch of different tools that you got to carry with you, and. With Everest, a lot of Sherpas and stuff go up with you to carry your stuff. No one comes with you on this one. And so they're the first guys that ever do it. But the story behind them attempting it is unreal. Like, I don't want to go into it because it takes me a long time to explain everything. And I basically we heard, gave it to you guys. We heard it and it sounds amazing and I'm going to go home and watch it right yeah. now. They have two attempts and Ugh. and in between those attempts, some pretty hectic stuff happens. And, yeah, it's it's unreal story. So that's my sports short. Where is it? Where do you see it? On Netflix. On the flicks. Jimmy Chin at it again. Climbing mountains. That guy is extreme. He he is extreme. He he climbs them and he also films it. Can't get my head around it. He's so cool. Thanks, Jace. No (laughs) wazzers. No wazzers, mate. (laughs) 
Take the Townsville out of the boy. Yeah. <laughs> or was it the other way around? Not the other way around. Take the boy out of Townsville. There you go. Can't take Townsville out of the boy. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Sports Social. We so enjoy bringing you these episodes. And if you have a friend who you think would enjoy these sports chats, please share it with them and let them know about us. And we absolutely love receiving your feedback and your reviews. It totally lights us up. If you are enjoying this kind of sports content, head over to our Instagram page at the Sports Social Podcast. Otherwise, we will chat to you next week. Bye. Bye.